We have been going through the Bible historically, chronologically, but now we have to bounce around because we're in the books of the prophets. I've got a chart for you up here. Um, this is a section of the one I handed out to you at the beginning of the study. If you're new to us and you don't have one, just contact the office and we'll get you one. But we're looking at Amos today. So you see him right there. His color is yellow, which indicates that he ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel. Those who are in the green indicate they ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah. Jonah's in the red, indicating he ministered to a foreign nation. He also ministered to the north, as you learned last week. So, today's Amos. Let's just get right into the book. He, here's how it starts. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. What he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, when Uzziah was the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, the son of Jehoash, was the king of Israel. This is an interesting way to start a Bible book. It's a date. You know, if it was written today, they'd just say such and such, like, you know, 2012 A.D., and we'd all know exactly when it was. And if we wanted even more specific, we'd say January 5th, 2012 A.D. at noon. And that works for us. But they didn't have that calendar back in those days. If you wanted to lock something in, you had to associate it with something that most people knew about. So they associated it with the leadership of Israel and Judah. When so-and-so was king here and so-and-so was king here, oh yeah, and two years before the earthquake. Oh yeah, the earthquake. So if you want to know when this happened, it was two years before the earthquake. What's interesting about that is Israel has a fault line running through it. So there's always earthquakes in Israel. It's like living in Japan or Hawaii. It's like, yeah, right before the volcano erupted. Well, that helps. We're all volcanoes. The fact that he doesn't specify any more than that helps me understand which earthquake he's talking about. It had to be a very noteworthy earthquake for him to just say, the earthquake. Archaeological excavations have found at least five sites with evidence for this earthquake. They estimated that this earthquake was between 7.8 and 8.2 on the Richter scale. Now, if you don't know anything about earthquakes, let me just tell you, that's a huge earthquake. Biblical proportions earthquake. Oh, if you'll mute that, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. The one that happened in Christchurch, you know, in New Zealand not too long ago, that was 7.1 on the Richter scale. Between 7 and 8 on the Richter scale, you're saying, oh, that's only one point. Yeah, but it's a 10 times in magnitude. So the earthquake that they dealt with was at least 10 times as powerful as the one that struck Christchurch and the one that struck Haiti. 10 times as powerful as the one that struck Haiti. So when he said, oh yeah, this letter is being written right before, two years before the earthquake, everybody knew what earthquake he was talking about. The top 10 largest quakes in United States history, nine of them happened in Alaska. That shouldn't surprise anybody. But six of those top 10 were between 7.9 and 8.2 magnitude, which is exactly what this earthquake was. So six of our top 10 were as big as that one that we're talking about right now. I told you the Haiti quake was seven on the Richter scale. It resulted in over 300,000 deaths. I wonder what an eight resulted in. About 300,000 people were injured on top of those. So you got 300,000 dead people, 300,000 injured people, a million made homeless, 
250,000 houses destroyed and 30,000 commercial buildings destroyed to give you an idea of what Haiti dealt with and what Christchurch dealt with. Big earthquakes, there's not a natural disaster that's like them, maybe hurricane, huge hurricanes or something, like Hurricane Andrew or something. I mean, these are just powerful, devastating things. I've got a passage of scripture I want to read to you because I think earthquakes are evidence that creation is unstable, okay? Listen to this passage of scripture, though. It starts to introduce that concept. I'm in Romans chapter 8, verses 21 through 22. Creation itself would one day be set free from its slavery to decay and would share the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22, here it goes. For we know that up to the present time, all of creation groans with pain, like the pain of childbirth. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they turned their back on God and listened to the devil, a curse came from that. Now, God created the heavens and the earth, and he basically said, here, Adam and Eve, it's for you. It wasn't just the little garden he gave them. He gave humanity the universe. And when we fell, the universe fell with us. Our, it like vibrated through the universe, kind of like an oil spill. It affects a lot. It doesn't just stay there by the rig. Well, our sin, Adam and Eve's sin, affected the entire universe. In fact, the Bible specifically says, cursed is the ground for your sake. So the earth was cursed because of what they did. Sin is why we have all the problems that we have, not just our personal relationship problems, but even hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. These all come because the universe has been shocked by sin and it's falling apart. You know, it's funny people say, yeah, the earth is, you know, multi-billions of years old. No, it's not. It's not. It's a few thousand years old and it's not going to last much longer. It's falling apart. It's shaking itself apart. God's going to have to step in and end things and fix them or we're just going to go kablooey. And I don't care about Pixar. You're not going to live on a spaceship out in space for thousands of years and come back to a better Earth. It's just not going to work that way. So earthquakes are evidence that creation is unstable. Sometimes, I don't think I'll go as far as saying all the time. I don't know that I can do that. But sometimes, earthquakes are a sign of God's judgment. Let me read to you some scripture from Isaiah. Listen. The day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord God Almighty in the day of his burning anger. So I, I'm not going to say all earthquakes, but definitely some earthquakes are when God is trying to get people's attention. He shakes the earth to get people's attention. So Amos, who was a prophet, you know the jobs of the prophets. They were to point out people's sin and call them back to God. So Amos says, I'm going to write to you Oh, yeah, and this was written two years before the earthquake. The point is, I told you about your sin. I tried to get you straightened out. You didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to my brother Micah. You're not listening to Jose. You're not listening to anybody. 
And now, boom, God shakes the earth. Do I have your attention now? That's kind of how I think it starts off with talking about the earthquake for that very reason. I could be wrong. That's my opinion. But it makes good sense to me. So, sometimes earthquakes are signs of God's judgment. Uh, it's going to happen again. There's a few passages I'll read you. Here's one. Now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. We're going to talk a massive shakedown. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There will be more earthquakes associated with God's judgment, but the final thing is he's just going to tear the entire universe apart and start over again and give us a new universe not corrupted by sin, where there'll never be another earthquake, never again another tornado, another, never again another hurricane, never again another murder, never again another human tear. I'm excited and so looking forward to those days. But between here and there, there's a whole lot of shaking going down. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> that's Amos chapter 1 he starts with talking about judgment and it's kind of cool from a Jewish perspective because Amos chapter 1 is talking about how God is going to judge all of Israel's enemies it's like alright go get them God and then chapter 2 through 9 how God's going to judge Israel <laughs> one chapter on all the nations and eight chapters on us yes it starts at home people it always does it really doesn't matter what God's going to do with Iran that's not our business. Our business is the U.S. of A. So yeah, God will have his plan for Iran, but what's his plan for you? We've got to be more concerned with ourselves than with everybody else. And just like ancient Israel, they were more concerned, did everybody get justice? He said, yeah, justice goes to everybody. That means you too, God was telling Israel. So let me give you a sample of how Amos communicated this in his writings. It was somewhat poetic, very detailed, very specific, and very harsh. Here's a taste. Thus says the Lord. Okay, I'm reading the King James style. This is what God said. For three transgressions of Judah, and for four I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers followed. Maybe I can throw in a little commentary and paraphrase and wrap it all up. I'm going to smack you down with a massive earthquake because of all your evil sins, and I'm not going to spare you. That might be one way this reads. Hindsight is 2020. In that one verse, he says, they despised God's law, they ignored his commandments, and they lied. For three sins, boom, there's your three. For four, maybe their fathers did the same, there's your four. And he does this several times. He says, for three transgressions of Judah and for four. It's just a po poetic way of saying, here's some and there's more. It's as if I make a list of the sins in Amos and then I turn the page and there's more. And it's that way with all the prophets. They never seem to run out of accusations. And it's not because they were negative Nancys. It's just Israel had gotten so corrupt. You know, there was a list. There's a grocery list of all their problems and sins. So I read you the three. Let me read to you four more. 
Perversion of justice is one of the things he accuses them of. Oppression of the poor, sexual sins, and idolatry. Seven sins. And then I started thinking, of those seven sins that God was really mad at them about, which might have resulted in this massive earthquake, how many are the United States guilty of? I'll just go through the list, do your own math. Despising God's laws, ignoring God's commands, lying, perversion of justice, oppression of the poor, sexual sins, and idolatry. None. We're good. <laughs> That's what they thought. They thought he must have been talking about somebody else. Listen to what it says in chapter 2. I raised up prophets from among your sons, but you commanded the prophets not to prophesy. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to tell you, and you're telling them to shut up. Same that happens here. You think I could get on the TV and say, Hello, America. Here's all the evil things you're doing wrong. Let's have coffee. Nobody wants to hear that kind of stuff. So let me ask you a question. It's an honest question, but I don't want you to shout out an answer. Answer it in your head, what you truly think. If God sent a prophet to America, do you think we would listen to him? I'd like to say yes, because I'd like to think of us as a great country. But I'm looking at the track record of human history, which the Bible gives us a great sample of, and most of the prophets end up stoned because they tell them to shut up and they won't. <laughs> they keep speaking for God, so we shut them up permanently. If we're like most of human history, I have to think that the answer is no. I'll tell you why else I think the answer is no. Because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches in Tucson, right now, meeting, telling people about God and having services. But are the chairs full? No. Where are they? Rather than listening to God. Playing golf, washing their car, grocery shopping. So if they don't listen when it's easy, I don't think they'll be listening when it's hard. There's an old Jewish saying that if God came to earth, they'd break his windows. In other words, if he moved onto your block, somebody would come by and throw a rock through his windows to show what they thought of him. I believe it. Actually, God did come to earth, didn't he? And they did break his windows. I can tell you this. I know you turn on the TV and, you know, for every five channels, there's somebody who claims to be a prophet. They're liars and deceivers. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. That doesn't mean God's not going to send real prophets again just because there's a bunch of phonies out there. He is going to. He said he will. Listen. I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouth and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. Fire comes from their mouth. These guys going to breathe fire? Maybe. It could be. It could be that. With God, pfft, you know, he turned the Nile River into blood. Don't doubt anything. He wants to do it. He can do it. But I, I'm thinking about Elijah, who G God gave him 
powers of a prophet. And this king, Ahab, sent a bunch of soldiers to arrest him, and he called fire down from heaven and devoured them all. Maybe that's what these guys are like, because as you read on, you're going to see these guys are very much like Elijah and Moses. These men have power to shut up the sky so it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying. That's exactly what happened with Elijah. They have power to turn the waters into blood, Moses, and strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want, Moses. I'm not saying this is a Moses and Elijah coming back, but they will be prophets like Moses and Elijah. Now, when they finish their testimony, the beast that comes from the abyss will attack them, overpower them, and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom in Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Here's what we know. In Jerusalem, there will be two real prophets of God, and they will be treated like prophets are always treated. They will not be listened to, but God will let them defend themselves for three and a half, whatever years I think it is, 1260 days. But after that, God will allow the people to do to them as they wish. They will be executed. They will die. They won't even have the dignity to bury them because they are happy that they're dead. They're partying, giving gifts that these prophets of God are dead. They're dancing over their dead bodies. But God always has the last laugh because the spirit of breath of God comes into them and they stand up. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes from the abyss will attack them, overpower them, and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom in Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, men from every tribe, language, nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending gifts to each other because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God enters them. They stand on their feet, and terror strikes those who saw them. You know it. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Man, I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see that. At that very hour, at that very moment, a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapses. 7,000 people will be killed in that earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. It all ends with an earthquake. These guys go out to prophesy in Jerusalem. They're rejected. They're executed. They die. They rise from the dead. God sends an earthquake on Jerusalem, and 7,000 people in that city die. I'm no prophet, but I just told you the future. Mark it. It's going to happen. You know, people don't usually listen to prophets, but sometimes they do. I said, would America listen to these two prophets? No. If they sent a phony, yeah, we listen to them. They get millions and billions of dollars from us gullible people who turn on the TV and go, <laughs> and send them money, and they're phonies. But the real ones come, we want to shut them up. But you would listen. You're God followers. You know, you'll have the Spirit of God within you. He won't let you follow the phonies, but he'll let you follow the true ones. Of course, in my doctrine, I'm not going to be here. I'll be in heaven. I believe the rapture happens before, before all this. But who knows? If I'm wrong, so what? doesn't matter. Or if my message is being listened to by somebody surviving, 
They're going to need to know. Sometimes people do listen to prophets. So Amos spends most of nine chapters condemning, castigating, and judging people for their sin and warning them, trying to call them back to God. And he ends with a word of hope. And that was something else the prophets do. Basically, the prophets sit there, stand there, and they say, here's all the evil things you've done and all the commandments of God that you violated, and here are the consequences for what you've done. But God loves you, and there's hope. So they're, but let me give you the good side. I got some good news, and I got some bad news. They always, always seem to throw both together. Listen to what Amos says. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. In other words, your farmers aren't even going to be able to keep up with the produce. You're going to be so prosperous. I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. Well, how did they get ruined? Earthquakes and war. They were under God's judgment, under God's curse, but the curse is going to be removed. They're going to walk with God again, come back, and rebuild. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord. God has promised Israel a blessed and glorious future. God has not promised the United States a blessed and glorious future. But I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that's really up to us. We walk with God, do things that pleases Him. He can't help but bless us. I know what's going to happen with Israel. A whole lot of shaking, a lot of misery, and then a beautiful future. I don't know what's going to happen in the United States. It's not looking good right now. Our leaders are not doing great. And by the way, I don't blame the leaders because they did not put themselves in office. Do your homework. Vote for the right people. If you don't like our leaders, look at the person who put them in office. and Get them out. Put somebody in you like. And pray for your leaders. No idea what's going to happen in the United States. I just know in whom I believe. But United States aside, you can have a bright future. In fact, most of you who I know, you follow the Lord. You've been promised a bright future, much better than wine and vineyards. You've got an eternity with God. It's going to be awesome. Never a tear, never a dull moment. Life's going to be good. Maybe between now and then, a little bit of shaking. But the future is bright. However, if you've not made a commitment to God, your future, from my perspective, is very uncertain. It could go either way. You could end up in hell, you could end up in heaven. And there's only one person who decides. That's you. You say, well, that's God's decision. No, it's your decision. He's already made the decision. He sent Jesus to die for your sins because he doesn't want you going to hell. But he gives you the choice to go there if you want to. But he wants you to go to heaven. He did everything within his power to make that possible. Our job is to choose to follow him. Turn from our sins and be Jesus followers. If we do that, he promises us heaven. So if any of you are here this morning and you've not made the decision to be a God follower, 
I mean full-blown decision, little decisions, half decisions, thinking about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about full-blown decision to follow God. I'd encourage you to do so. There is no greater decision and no greater future you can possibly have than the choice to walk with Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we don't enjoy the shaking. We don't like the hard times. We don't like the pain and the sorrow. I pray, though, that as we must endure them for a spell, for a time, for a season, that you'd give us strength to do it with our heads held high and our chins up, and that we might be more concerned with blessing others than blessing ourselves. And I pray for those who do not follow you, that you would bless them, that you would put it within their heart to make the decision for their own benefit, for their own well-being, and for the praise of your glory. And because of what Jesus died, may he win as many as possible. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.